DraftKings Sportsbook and Casino is coming soon to Ontario. Soon you'll be able to legally bet on all your favorite sports, ranging from the NHL to UFC, playoff hoops, and so much more. And that's not all. What if we told you the hottest new casino will be available right from your phone? DraftKings has all the latest features and promotions, ranging from daily odds boosts to best-in-class casino games, and so much more. Soon you'll be able to place a same-game parlay, score daily odds boosts, and play your favorite slots games anytime, anywhere in the province. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Get excited, Ontario. DraftKings Sportsbook and Casino is on the way. While you wait, check out DraftKings now and tell them I sent you by using the promo code RINKRAT. That is R-I-N-K-R-A-T. That's promo code RINKRAT. DraftKings Sportsbook and Casino coming soon to Ontario. I'm really hyped about this myself. Absolutely favorite thing to do. Saturday when the NHL randomly decides to shove all the games into one day for whatever reason. You start off in the morning. They usually got games 1 p.m. all the way to the West Coast games at night. You can sprinkle a little a responsible wager here and there throughout the day. Makes it so much more entertaining. It's the best thing to do. Check it out. DraftKings Sportsbooks and Casinos, promo code RINKRAT. Gambling problem, call 1-866-531-2600, 19 plus, physically present in Ontario. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Subject to successful AGCO registration and execution of an operating agreement with iGaming Ontario. All right, welcome everyone to the RINKRAT Report podcast. We're recording this Wednesday. You'll probably be listening to this Thursday the night that the Leafs take on the Washington Capitals, as always, joined by Josh and Jason. How's it going? How's it going? Good. We'll flex when we're on video, so we'll flex into the camera there. Nice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. Maybe <laughs> we'll put it on video. Maybe people like that, but maybe. I don't know. JC, would I don't. Be. Shut up. <laughs> I'm sure you would. I don't know how, how appealing my ugly mug is, but uh, we'll see. Anyways. Brad Marshawn. Brad Marshawn, follow <laughs> us on TikTok. Anywho, let's get into it. Uh, quick little recap of what happened this week. So we're going from Stars game and on. 4-3 win in overtime against the Stars. Austin Matthews breaks the record. Adds a little cherry on top with that OT winner. Oh my God, that was disgusting. That was a little... And then the are you not entertained on the road celebration to boot? This guy's just got so much jam. But... Leafs didn't give up very many shots at all. Uh, I don't think Campbell played bad in this one. Not like whatsoever. Uh, Joe Pavelski is just an absolute freak in front of the net. The way that he tips the puck, like the way that you're supposed to defend a forward in front of the net, like you, you give him the cross check, you lift their stick. His stick's in the air. He's still tipping everything. Freak of nature. Nothing else goal. to say. Honestly, that was a great yeah. goal. Yeah. I think the first one was a little bit weird, but. I meant Whatever. the game tying one for like, that was like, yeah, you just got to tip your hat one. to that. Like yeah. no way, no way to stop it. And mm-hmm. like tip your cap to a great tip. Yeah. Like Campbell didn't get many shots, but it's like the goals that came in were just very, very difficult to stop. It's they didn't, he didn't have much of a chance on them. So I don't know. I didn't think he played bad in that one at all, but uh, Austin Matthews night. How weird was that William Nylander goal in that game though? Yeah. I guess because I guess because we had the puck, they didn't want to blow it for the the net being off. But the net was like far off. It wasn't like the peg mm-hmm. was loose. The net was half off. Yeah. The stars 
they started playing music and they stopped playing. Yeah, that was so weird. Yeah. <laughs> and they started, but, the uh, camera also started zooming in on the goal. I was like, okay, the play's yeah. done. And then it's like league score. I was like, wait, what? Like, and they scored. <laughs> I'd have been a little upset if I was a Stars fan in that one. But oh, yeah. anyways, big 4-3 win. Uh, big, uh, historic night for Austin Matthews. And then we go back to Scotiabank Arena against the Montreal Canadiens. I know these are usually you know, games you look forward to, classics, but uh, Montreal is not playing for much this year. Uh, they have the least amount of wins in the NHL. Uh, the Leafs beat them barely 3-2 because, of course, why would they beat a playoff team by more than one goal? Or even beat a playoff team at this point. Um, it's getting a little frustrating. You mean a non-playoff but, team? Non-playoff team. Fuck. Ah, we're on a roll, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> non-playoff team. But 3-2, to two, uh, the Leafs got a bunch of shots in this one. I did feel like they got lucky. Ja- uh, Jake Allen, Eric Schalgren started for the Leafs in these next two games. Jake Allen got injured early. Now the Leafs get, I mean, Matthew's got that goal. You know, you drive the net, you get the dirty ones that happen. Like that's just a goal scorer's goal. Jake Allen gets injured in that one. And then Matthews goes in, like, it wasn't the greatest kind of goal, but the Leafs did get a little bit lucky that Montembeau wasn't warmed up at all. Really comes into an NHL game cold and then Matthews takes advantage of it. But that's the game of hockey, I guess, kind of thing. Right. Um, not the most eventful of games three, two win for the Toronto Maple Leafs in regulation. Um, I really did like how the Leafs D were pinching and engaging in the offensive zone in this one, actually pretty well all week. We'll get into that a little bit more, but, um, yeah, and then Eric Schalgren in this game as well. I thought he played pretty well. Made some great saves on Josh Anderson, Nick Suzuki, and Cole Caulfield there. Cole Caulfield did get the better of him again, but uh, he was didn't have to make the most amount of saves, but he was uh, he was a decent part of this win. It was a good good to see him play well. And then our final game of the week, a little five two stinker. Jason, you were at the game. What was it, what was that like? It was brutal, honestly. It was brutal. It was brutal to watch live because they just they felt like there was just no air, no air in the tires at all. Just kind of a zero purpose game for the team. It looked like they just weren't playing with any purpose. And I and I guess it kind of kind of is, but they're still fighting for a standing spot, even though it's the Buffalo Sabers you're playing. But I feel like Fred, Fred or uh, not Frederick Anderson, sorry, Craig Anderson. I feel like he has. Uh, he's, he's got their number. I feel like he he has Austin Matthews' number. There was one play where, like, Matthews took it hard to the net. Anderson made a good save, and Matthews just standing. I don't know if he said something to Anderson, but he was just – for after the whistle, he was just standing there staring at him for, like, 10 seconds. It was like – I don't know if that's, like, a, a intimidation tactic for Matthews or what it was. It was something I noticed just being at the game. It was just like, wow. Like, I don't know if Matthews likes this guy. Like, because Matthews – What about Matthews getting the puck right and tight and then trying to pass it, and that gets broken yeah. up and it goes the other way? That was wild. Yeah, and they scored on that play too, which is crazy. That was like the momentum shift of the game, it felt like. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Craig Anderson seems to have Austin Matthews' number. He's like Jordan mentality after he scored four goals against them in, his, in, in Austin Matthews' debut. I feel like he's – I don't know if the stats back it up, but I feel like he's had Austin Not Matthews' really. number since then. But maybe not. Maybe it's just – this this year who knows it's this the, i think it's this, this year. The last i mean two games, I, I used to make videos like of austin matthew scoring on craig anderson and there were i had some good content for it but this year oh my god like there was one play i felt like anderson dropped on one of them and it just hit him kind of thing it was yeah. just through a screen matthew sends it on net and 
he could he couldn't buy one this game. He had a couple good slot shots, but uh, could not buy one. Credit to Craig Anderson. Five goals against the for the against the Leafs in three games, and the two goal game was in the outdoor game. So, hat tip where where it is due, I suppose. But uh, I think Sabers, eh? That's it's weird. It's weird. Odd. I know the Fartalo Sabers. I can't believe. I mean. The big thing I noticed with the Buffalo Sabres, like, remember last year at this time, people were calling Rasmus Dallin a bust? What changed? That's weird. What changed? Don wow. Granato became head coach. Interesting. I, I did not love the way that uh, Kruger, Ralph Kruger, was using him. I did not lo- love the way he was using that entire team. When you look at it, who are the, there was a few guys that just turned around their careers under Don Granato. Tage Thompson, Rasmus Dahlin, and Jeff Skinner. Well, Jeff Skinner, renaissance kind of thing. He's a good goal scorer. But under Rolf Kruger, all of those guys stunk up a storm. And someone commented on our YouTube video of, uh, it was Taylor Hall highlights from when he was in Buffalo. And they're like, oh, Hall and Eichel are cancers to this team. I think he got the wrong guy there, bud. Rolf Kruger, by all accounts, nice guy, but could not coach. Could not coach, I feel like. Because Darlene looked awesome last night. Yeah, I, honestly, it's interesting because his actual underlying numbers are no better than last year at all. But he's playing a lot more, which is good. And obviously, the team's still not very good. He is just like a big positive and then big negative guy. Like, he gives it and yeah. then take. Oh but he's still young. Like, anyone who called him a bust ahead of time, like, was just... It's he's a 2000 not, board. not fair. He's very young and he's going to be yeah. very good. Like he might have to wait for his peak might be still be five years away, which is crazy to think mm-hmm. about. Yeah. And you I had mean, another guy, Owen power who debuted Jason. What did you think mm-hmm. of him watching him in person? He looked, he looked good from the uh, mi- minimal amount. I saw him on the ice. So I was, I was, yeah. it was tough trying to pick him out. Um, but then I realized, Oh, I'll just look for the tallest guy on the team. And I'm like, okay, there he is. So uh, he's yeah. not but even he, the tallest looked... at six, four. No, really? Cage Thompson's six, seven. I guess. Yeah. Well, tallest, I guess they're all big, honestly. Dowling's pretty mm-hmm. decently big too. But yeah, no, he was uh played played pretty well. I was I was more impressed and like saw more of Dowling though that game. He looked really good. He was like not really good, but just not as advertised by some some Buffalo Sabres fans, it feels like. Yeah. Played it all As Josh said, big positive, big negative. What was Eric Carlson yeah. at the beginning of his career? Like then you add your Mark Mathots or your Victor people, Hedman too. Yeah, people yeah, exactly. felt the same way about Victor Hedman, yeah. And then they start to pick their pick their pick and choose their uh rushes and want and like their offensive goes. I don't even know what I'm saying right now. Anyways, um what I was gonna say to Jason, were you more impressed or sauced? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. How about that? <laughs> I mean, what else was there to do in that game? Yeah, yeah, it was That's it tough. was a tough one towards the end. Definitely yeah. towards the end. We were holding so, out hope, but then yeah, yeah, they got a couple chances, and I mean, mm-hmm. there was and a Kirk pretty got big one late break. Too. Yeah, exactly. And then there was the McKayev chance right after that, which yeah. McKayev really needed that one. He made two bad mistakes. I felt like on the penalty mm-hmm. kill, um, he gave up the lane in the first goal, uh, which allowed Doc Pozo to get the puck in a good area. Um, I think it was on the second goal, which was also a power play goal. He gave up the blue line. He got beat very badly on the blue line there, which allowed the break. To then go in, I think it was the uh, Thompson goal there, so not a 
the greatest night for the penalty by not the greatest. I mean, absolutely terrible night for the penalty kill there. Um, Eric Schalgren, what did you guys think of him last night? Uh, I thought he played okay. I, I don't, I don't really remember any stinkers that he gave up, but um, yeah, he is what he is, right? He's not like, he's not going to yeah. be a starter for you, but he's our backup right now. And that's all we can ask for. Exactly. I mean, n- no stinkers. I-, I laid it out to you guys. How, what, like, how each of the goals, what happened, what he did wrong on them. Like there were no stinkers. All of the goals were, I think all of the goals, most of the goals, if not, were passes through dangerous areas or into dangerous areas. Pretty good guys getting the puck there as well. They were defensive breakdowns essentially by the Leafs there. Um, It makes it more difficult when the puck's moving that fast, like on a pass before the shot, the pre-shot movements, there was a lot of them this game, which the expected goals is not going to pick up. When there's more pre-shot movements before the goal, it's more likely that the goalie's going to make an ill read or not the greatest of reads or make a little bit of a mistake um, or put him a bit off of his angle. And I felt like that happened on pretty much all of those goals. But he did make some pretty good saves. I thought his rebound control was good in this one as well. So it is what it is. It's not. It's like a C-minus kind of thing for him, I thought, that night. Yeah, goaltending's kind of status quo, right? Like. Actually, I will say, you know, Campbell didn't play in this previous game and Sheldon Keefe kind of insinuated that he's he's not injured, injured, but he's not quite 100%. How concerned are mm-hmm. we with with Campbell right now in terms of Very. injury-wise? Or is, it that just, or is it just a rest day that they maybe talk too uh, much about to the media? May, maybe, maybe it was a rest day that they just said too much about because they said that Cam, like today that Campbell is going to be ready to play tomorrow, I believe, um, yeah. or at least should be ready. So... I am um, kind of that. worried simply because like, I don't think it's, I think it's something he can play through. However, like, is he going to play through and his play is going to diminish as a result? That's where I'm a little bit concerned. Yeah. Right. So we'll see. Well, it's going to be something to keep an eye on and to keep an eye on the post-game press conferences and all that yeah. and see what they're, they're saying, what he's saying about all of this. Right. But uh, yeah, the injury bug back at it again, Jake Muzzin did not play. Uh, against Buffalo there. I mean, I'm going to talk about the D pairings. I tweeted something. Um, We actually said this a bunch too. So I'm going to drag you guys in with this. They changed the D pairings. They changed, they put back Riley and Lilgren. And I said, that didn't work before. Why would you do it again? And people came out with, with these charts. Oh no, but look at the expected goals. It's above relative when they're on the ice together. I get that. They give up a lot of passes and they don't defend that well together. And last night, they were the only two defensemen that played well. Or put even played even remotely well, I would say. Mm-hmm. They were awesome together. So, yeah, the biggest thing I noticed last night, especially with the decor, is kind of like a kind of like taking this another way, but like that uh, Lavushkin geo pairing just didn't look good at all together. Um, but no. I, I thought that they Brody Hall stunk. Brody Hall wasn't good. Yeah, but th- that Riley uh, Lilligren was like the engine of our team, I guess, is, if, if you can call it for that game. Because they were the only ones who seemed like they actually wanted to like yeah. do something. Mind you, like I was also partially having a lot of fun at that game. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, that's kind of what I saw. I don't know. What, what do you guys So think? like the big thing, they're two offensive defensemen. The deficiency is more so on the side of defending the front of the net. They had the puck all game. There was a mm-hmm. few great plays where they were – uh, or one would have the puck, the other would 
like start up and they would start the rush off very easily. They would send it to the other pairing, the other guy who would be at the blue line, they'd start a, a rush from there. If you recall the um, bunting shot that Marner almost tipped in with his stick, like it was, a, it went through Anderson, it hit the post and then Marner almost tipped it in. That started off from a Riley cross ice to Lilgren and then a nice hook pass to, to bunting there where Marner just left it. Right. So a couple good plays like that, a couple good shots from the blue line. But uh, I didn't feel like they had to defend. And as a result, that pairing did very well. I'll be curious to see what they can do against Washington, though. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think that. Sorry. Go ahead, Jason. Go ahead. No, you go. You go. I I think a lot of that has to do with how Timothy Lilligren has responded to that. It was a poor stretch of play. I know people will dog on you for that tweet, but he did get scratched after that. Right. Like. He was out of the lineup after a couple of games with Riley. And yeah. we said, you know, maybe at, at the time it was a little bit too much of an assignment for him. And, you know, it sucks that he gets scratched, but we'll see how he responded. And then lo and behold, they end up trading for Mark Giordano and Mark Giordano makes everyone look good. And it's helped Lilligren's confidence a lot. I think it's fair to say that he has really stepped up his game over the last month. So, you know, you got new look Lilligren with Riley and maybe that's why it looked a lot better, but they also played a lot at even strength. They played, significantly yeah. more Over 15 than, minutes more than that more than that together i mean oh together sorry just sorry. together yeah wow that's a that's a crazy amount when you consider that giordano only played 11 minutes total at wow at five on five so you know it was interesting though i still don't think those are optimized pairings for us i think most likely once muzzin comes back you're looking at muzzin back with brody Lilgren or hall back on the third pair and then labushkin back with riley but who yeah. knows we'll see We'll see. But yeah, it's good to see though. There's nothing, you know, Timothy Lilligren stepping up. He's putting a claim to a spot for the playoffs right now. And that was something for me that I didn't expect to happen, but mostly because I didn't think the Leafs would give him the shot. And I'm still a little skeptical that they will give him the shot though. Cause Justin Hall does not seem to come out of the lineup. Doesn't he did earlier in the year, but since then I haven't really seen much. You're right. And it was unfortunate to see him scratch before Muzzin ended up coming. I think it was in the, Montreal game would it have been where he was scratched, right? Who Lilgren? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So and he responded. And this did he play the stars game too? I think he was I wanna say he was scratched for that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because Lubushkin played three this week and Muzzin Muzzin's only yeah, yeah. he was he was scratched. Scratched twice. Exactly. Yeah, so. Which game was Labushkin scratched? It was a great radio. Which, he, wasn't. he wasn't. Florida. Sorry. No, Florida. Florida. Oh, it was Florida. Yeah. Okay. There Remember we go. they blew yeah. up the lead? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And that was our narrative. Okay. Back on track now. But um, what was it? Was it Bunting also got into a fight after a goal this week? I love that guy. Yeah, against Montreal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That guy just brings the jam right there. Yeah. But I, um, I will say also just talking about D quickly, like Owen Power had a really good debut and everyone kept replaying that block pass on the two on one from Bunting to Matthews. That was one of the worst two on one passes of all time by Michael Bunting. Yeah. Well, yeah. He just literally yeah. feathered it right to Owen Power. No sauce, no deception. Tape to tape. Tape to tape right to him. Like <laughs> Owen Power actually didn't really play that that well. If there was a saucer pass, it probably goes through. Like he was really upright, but for whatever reason, Bunting yeah. just passed it right to his stick. Or even like, stop up maybe cut to the middle a little bit more like it was uh it was a bit of a weird one i will agree but it worked out for him he got rocked by spezza which is kind of funny and someone made a note on twitter that uh uh, spezza made his nhl debut before owen power was even born 
Oh, that's wild. <laughs> so that's wild. kind of funny to see that. Um, in terms of quickly, the lines, just uh, we'll start with the forward lines just real quick. Like, do you think they're optimized at this moment? Forward lines? Yeah. Mm, not like it's, it's tough to say. Like, I, 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 yes and no, I guess. I don't know. I, I really like to see that third line back together without Nylander on it. Like, that's, that's the one thing that I'm, I feel like we're missing lately from our Nylander lineup. to line two. I don't know where, wherever he would fit. But just I, I, well, I mean, I it's not going to line one. So, Mikai ever Kosh on that line, I think, would be. A, I agree. Uh, a, a big help to that line. Um, I agree. It's just at this point, it's where do you put William Nylander? Yeah, I don't know. That's weird because, like, we shouldn't be. I feel like with that with a player who's that good, it shouldn't be a struggle to find out a, play, a line that fits with him. But it seems like whichever lines he goes to, the the line that he comes off of just seems to be playing better. I saw like a recent. Uh, I don't. I forget who was on Twitter. They were tweeting about how John Tavares without William Nylander hasn't been that good than with William Nylander, which honestly is true over the whole season. But if you look at just up until like from January first onwards, that is like completely not the case at all. It probably it was the case. What, absolutely is, what are the numbers? Do you have them? Ah, shoot. I uh, we'll look. Give them me up. a sec. I got. I got. We'll, pull them we'll up make here. sure we get it into the episode because I did see the yeah. same thing. It was like fifty-one yeah, percent but... without and fifty-five with, but that's yeah. over the entire season when they were playing mm-hmm. well at the beginning of the at year. The it the fell year. off exactly. a cliff pretty much in twenty twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, so. that's a great point, Joe, and that's exactly what what Jason was was saying. And he'll bring the stats up, but I want while he's looking. What did you think of the Sheldon Keith blender again against Buffalo? I thought it was dumb per usual. I don't understand why he does that. If these are not your optimized lines, then why are you putting them out there? Um, I like, it just makes no sense. We're pretty much rehashing the same thing we said after the first, after the last Buffalo, the second last Buffalo game, I think mm-hmm. it was where they lost five one. Like if you're, if you need to change it up, then like, why weren't these the lines to start right so i don't know i mean it it was odd it it was really odd the other thing i don't get is like why are why is abrazizi in the lineup if you just play him five and six minutes like every night what was his total time on ice this game i'm only looking at even strength against buffalo he played 649 at even strength i'm sure he he played power play too so yeah so it wasn't very much but like i think i'm looking more and more right every day that's a play from the agent. Yeah, it seems like it. Well, yeah, total total ice time was nine minutes in that Buffalo game. Six minutes total in the Dallas game. Only played nine shifts in the Dallas game. Like, wh- what are we doing? We have a lot of forwards. Too. We got a guy in the AHL who's literally ripping the league up right now. That's not some Leaf fan biased exaggeration. Like, he literally is almost, a, not almost a goal a game, but he's, whatever, 0.75 goals per game since he got sent back down, correct? Yeah, like it's something like that. He's been absolutely on fire, and he was much more effective in his shifts when he was up than Nick Abrazzisi has. And so I don't, and then they blend the lines, and instead of, okay, let's make one switch, and let maybe it's, okay, David Camp, you're going to play less because we need to score, and Spezza goes up, and now it's Spezza, Engvall, Nylander. That would make sense in my brain then you're kind of rolling three lines, but it's not that he changes every single line and it makes no sense to me. I, I, I really, I've talked about this before. It, it has never worked either. Like that's the part I don't, I keep going back to is 
when things go bad, this is like Sheldon Keith's crunch crutch. Sorry. Yeah. Is to throw the lines in a blender, but I, I don't remember it once working this year. It did work, not this year, but it did work. If you recall game four of the play-ins against yeah, but Columbus. that was just all they did was put Tavares <laughs> with Marner and Matthews. And then but the they, best was they, they did they stuck to that though. Game they five stuck it, to Tavares, yeah, yeah. Marner, yeah. Uh, and Matthews. And it they, what they've been off. doing here, it's like, okay, let's try Marner, Matthews, and Nylander. Okay, that didn't work. Okay, now let's try Marner, Mikheyev, Tavares. Like he's getting a random name generator and then just throwing them out there and being like, okay, yeah, you guys go. Let's see if that works. I got I got like, really excited at the game because I saw William Nylander center Alexander Kerfoot and Ilya Mikheyev. I'm like, whoa, this is a new look. Like, let's this that's interesting. Let's see this. They play one shift and then you never see them again. No, it's like what's going on here? If if you want to test that out, let's test it out. But not like why are we only doing it for one shift? It seemed to me with the blender, he just didn't want Kampf Aprudzedze or who else was it? Uh, was it Spetsa? Spetsa and Black. I think it was. Out, like, yeah, Spetson and Blackwell kind of went in and out. They didn't want those four guys playing that much. Like, all right, like, I, I don't know. I, you don't have to pull out a blender for that, right? Like, you can still keep the first line together and not play those guys, right? Like, that's the one thing that bothers me the most about the blender, I think, is that you're splitting up essentially that what's been the best line in hockey this year, right? And, like, is that beneficial for your team? I don't know. I don't think it is. I don't think so. No. I don't think yeah. so. Not at all. Um, Quickly, I, I got the, uh, the, the the stats for John Tavares and William Nylander. And first of all, right. with the tweet, I, I don't have the exact tweet, but one thing, that, the big thing that they were talking about was that basically that the line was getting PDO bombed. Um, oh, I saw that. And so I, but then they were also referencing like expected goals as well as like PDO. It's like those things kind of don't really go together, right? But I, I can understand where they were coming from. So full season, um, John Tavares and William Nylander uh, expected goals for per 60. They have a 2.99 expected goals for per 60, 2.48 expected goals against per 60, which gives you a 54.56% excuse me, percent expected goals for. Now, that pretty much is exactly the same with ne- when William Nylander is on the ice without John Tavares, okay? But when John Tavares doesn't have William Nylander, he has 2.8 expected goals and 2.53 expected against. So a little bit more expected against, a little bit less expected goals for a total of 52.54 expected goals for, okay? Now, if you are to make the, the starting date of this, uh, January 1st, which would be 42 games played compared to 71 games played, William Nylander and John Tavares still not too bad together, 52% Corsi 4, right? 2.71 expected goals for, there seems like, since in the beginning of the year, they were obviously getting a much greater chances, much better expected goals. Similar expected goals against 2.43 per 60 to, to get you 52.79 uh, percentage. Now, Willie Nylander without John Tavares is only expected, uh, is, is expected goals for 2.35 and his expected goals percent the goals against are 2.45. So he's actually losing the expected goals battle without John Tavares. Maybe that's because he's playing with a more defensive line. Who knows, right? It is. But, but that the, line the, without him was winning the expected Exactly, like, right? That, by a decent margin, too. Absolutely. So maybe so maybe pretty much John Tavares is doing worse without William Nylander, and no. William Nylander is doing horribly without John Tavares yes. and because his center is now David Camp most of the but time. But also, I just want to point out, 
John Tavares is expected goals for and expected goals against without William Nylander. He's 3.13 expected goals for and 2.23 expected goals against. So he's been better so overall. He's been significantly better overall. And this is like a good amount of minutes too. The total time on ice for William Nylander and John Tavares since January 1st is 400. Total time on ice John Tavares without William Nylander is 183. So about 200. Oh, wow. I think that's that's a good enough sample where we can start to be like, okay, this is maybe not uh, uh, a small sample size. This might be starting to get to the point where it's like, okay, this, this is something that needs to be looked at as maybe a trend. Who knows? But yeah. I honestly, like I, I think playing him at center could be an interesting little experiment here. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do it, but that would be the way to like optimize really your lineup. If he could place, he doesn't have to even win face-offs or do like him or Kerfoot stepping in at center, yep. playing with a, again, a Nick Robertson as your third line. I think we're all pretty happy with that third line, but it doesn't seem like they're interested in doing that. So I'm going to stop preaching that every episode, but it would be interesting. I think in summation, Jason, from the numbers you brought, which were great, like for whatever reason, and I don't know why in this little stretch of John Tavares playing without William Nylander, analytically, at least he's performed a lot better. I don't know why I'm sure people have a lot of theories, maybe why, but that just happens to be a fact. And, you know, maybe Nylander is being dragged down by the defensive minutes a bit, but for whatever reason, He's just been not as analytically good. Still scoring goals, still getting points, not as analytically good. That was a a, a good kind of summation of the issues, I suppose you could say, that the Leafs are facing with um, the forward lines there and what to do with two pretty high-powered offensive players. Now, it's the springtime for a little word from our sponsor, Manscaped. Fellas, have you started your spring cleaning yet? The carpets need cleaning, the drapes need dusting, and your lawn needs mowing. Spring has sprung, and the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning aisle five in your pants. Time to clean out your winter bush and join the 4 million men worldwide who trusted Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code RINKRAT. That is R-I-N-K-R-A-T. 20% off and free shipping with the code RINKRAT at manscaped.com. Dot com. It's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life. I'm telling you, I got the shampoo and the body wash as well as the, uh, I don't know why I always draw a blank, deodorant, underarm mm-hmm. deodorant from Manscaped and the lip balm too. You don't want those dry lips out there uh, in the spring. It's all yeah. awesome stuff. I cannot recommend Manscaped yeah. enough. I, I- I used the body wash this weekend, went out with the boys and uh, not going to expose them. But one of them did pull me aside and said, you know what? You smell pretty good right now. So uh, <laughs> a, co- a couple Woo! pops deep and uh, yeah, your, your boys Everyone. will love the smell. Yeah, I know you, you're smelling. It'll be like an app back in the day, good. an apple pie on the, the windowsill. They start floating oh, yeah. to you. Everyone. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it, smells, it smells good. I don't know how else. Oh yeah. The body wash cologne in it. I think it is. Yeah. That's what it is. It's absolutely what it is. It's infused and it's great stuff. It's great oh, stuff. Yeah. Let's get into a little bit of detox. You know, right after the Manscaped Battle detox. <laughs> but Muzzin got injured again. Um, I think he's just not 100%. Probably could have played if it was playoffs. Um, any concerns with that, or is it the same sort of thing you guys feel with Campbell? I have concerns. Like yeah. I, I don't want to, but you're talking about a guy with a long injury history who just came back from an injury and now 
he's even if it's one game missing because of an injury, like how confident are you that he's durable enough to play? You know, if he needs to 20, 25 games in the playoffs, like it's a tall task. 25 minutes too. Also the thing on top of that with the injury, it's not, can he play? It's can he play up to his level? I mean, we've seen him try to play through injuries earlier in the year and quite frankly, he stunk. So he came back, he looked pretty, pretty decent. I would say scored, scored a goal as well, but I mean, yeah, I can see your concerns with the injury and I, I do kind of share them a little bit, not, uh, you know, we'll see. Hopefully that, that rest really, uh, really helped him out there though. Yeah. I think they yeah. also maybe like a little underestimating Buffalo on the schedule there. Like, yeah, probably that could, that could have been a thing, you know? Maybe if they were playing the lightning, do you think those guys wouldn't have played? I mm. no way to know for sure. But if I had to guess those guys both probably play They're both back in against Washington, a playoff Interesting. team. Interesting. So I understand what you mean there. It's quite kind of interesting. And uh, you know, what? as a result, Tuck and Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner ate their lunch and Rasmus Dahlin can't underestimate him too. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ilya Lubushkin, limited minutes. Jason, you want to expand on that part? Yeah, he just played. He played the least amount of minutes in, in the game against Buffalo. I think he well, didn't. <laughs> he didn't play well, but just yeah, I don't know. It seems like his minutes have been reducing. Yeah, uh, since he's been scratched. So, um, but we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, was, I think his minutes. I think he was only eighteen minutes. I think he's played more though with with the least, and he's playing a little bit more before they. Uh, yeah, definitely. Last, looks like 16 minutes, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. 12 minutes, last three games, which is yeah, much lower. I than understand last game, average. at least. I mean, they're they're down. He's not playing that well. He's not a very good offensive mm-hmm. player. So you you, yeah. you kind of give him a seat. But yeah, but the other games I can, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, stylistically, though, just like with how they play, I just don't think that putting him with Giordano helps him at all. I don't think that's no. like. Because I, I find I find like one one of Giordano's strengths and why he works so well with Lilligren was that if he was ever back retrieving the puck, he would always find a, the the correct play and 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 would most of the time give it to his partner in open space. And Lilligren's very dangerous in open space in his own zone. He can do many things with like he can, he can get the puck out very easily when he has the space to do it. Where, whereas Ilya Labushkin isn't as refined at doing those sorts of things. So I don't know if they really played off each other too well in the game. So. I really felt he got dealt kind of a, a poor hand and uh, is losing minutes as, as part of it. But I just hope he gets gets uh, in the eyes of the coaches, gets back into form um, and, and gets more minutes. I think he's like really effective um, when you play him the right way. Interesting observation there. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree too. I mean, his strengths are his like his like what the Leafs don't really have. Exactly. In their defensive line and what they didn't have yeah. before, clearing the front of the net, right? You know, a, lot, a little bit of physicality in there too. So you, you got to – I feel like with defensemen, you really do have to stylistically pair them mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because if you can't just put a good defenseman with another good defenseman because, okay, what are they good at? They have to be – they have to play that 200-foot game, right? Are they offensive? Are they defensive? Are they smart with the puck? Are they good in transition with the puck? How are they defensively – breaking up plays how are they taking away passing lanes how are they clearing the front of the net right so you got to kind of find that perfect pairing uh that fit Mm -hmm. like a glove and hopefully 
give them enough reps together where they're comfortable playing with each other in the playoffs. Right. Yeah. yeah. So just going off with you guys said, you know, even if I, let's pretend I didn't watch any of the games this week. Is it a good bet to say that Ilya Labushkin will be out of the lineup for the next game? Maybe, maybe if Muzzin's coming back, then, then it seems like he's the odd man out here, but still, still like, again, I'm a big hall hall guy. I think he gets a lot of unfair criticism sometimes, sometimes fair. Um, But I, I think right now, like just based off the the past or since Labushkin has played for us, I feel like he's been better than hall. Um, I don't care if it's one, two, three games. Like he's, I always find that he's just doing things, the things that we need more better than, than what Hall's doing. Mm-hmm. Like we said before, like what is, what, what is Hall's best attribute? What does he do he well? He stunk last game. He just does the I really got to say, he yeah. stunk. There was one of the goals where Buffalo, I can't remember which, or it was a chance or a good chance or a goal. Buffalo just chipped it in and it was like almost right on his stick and he just turned it over. Like, I don't, how many successful passes did he have last game in his own well, end? There, there was, there was a guy behind me counting the turnovers he made. And I, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm shocked that, like, um, I looked at the score. Out later. It said zero turnovers. I'm like, okay, that's not right. Like, the guy was good. The, uh, the guy had a couple couple, couple beers in him. But he was, he's, he, he got up to, like, seven, eight. I don't know how accurate that – I don't know how accurate he was. But, yeah, like – Was it Nick? No, no, no. no. <laughs> we were chatting. Suey bombing. Was, yeah, it was uh, – didn't, didn't have the best game. Neither him nor Lubushkin clearly had a good game, but I think no, Paul was Brody in the better opportunity it. to have a good, have, have a good game. So, yeah. I, yeah. I think I'm kind of coming around to the idea that there's a good chance they're going to be using all seven defensemen in the playoffs now. I think. Yeah. I, I, I don't mind that either. A little bit of competition just to yeah. make sure you don't make that colossal No, no, sorry. I don't think at once, but, which I actually don't think is that bad of an idea, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But, um, I think 70 rotating in and out every game. So 60 are playing, but you're using your seventh, maybe one or two games in and out, whether it's Labushkin out for Lilligren or Hall or Lilligren out, one of those combinations. Or if Sandine comes back, then I definitely think they'll blunder it even more. But I think you got five guys locked in for sure. Yeah, Sandine was skating this week. Not with the group, not with the team, but skating on his own. So he's not fully out. He's not. I think he's less injured than I originally anticipated. So... That'll be maybe something just, to keep your eye on. Yeah, maybe they're just testing to see how how like the pain tolerance with it, if you can play. Because they, they did mention it being week to week, right? Like, And we don't know exactly mm-hmm. what it would be, but um, yeah. I think he's on LTIR too right now. Yeah, yes, he is, yeah. And I, I don't think the Leafs can really make a – I guess, no, they, they could. Never mind. I don't think they could, they could make a move. They could yeah. just send down Clifford or Epperzizzi or someone. I, I really want them back. to keep – sorry to, to jump mm-hmm. in. I really want them to keep Muzzin and Brody together, though. So I think you got to start working off that. So you got Muzzin Brody. It's most likely going to be Morgan Riley and on the first or whatever you want to call it pair. And it's most likely going to be your Giordano on the third pair. So how does this, how does that fit in? I really, until they scratch Justin Hall, I'm almost considering him a lock for the lineup. Do you guys think that's fair? I think that's pretty yeah. fair. Yeah. I mean, so how I, many I, minutes did he play compared to the, everyone else yesterday? I think he played a decent amount of minutes, right? Yeah, against still, Buffalo. Yeah, he still did. He still played played more than Giordano, or um, he actually played the third most five on five minutes. Played more than Brody at five. Played on more five, than Timothy uh, Logren <laughs> against Brody. Buffalo. Yeah, Logren nineteen oh nine total. Justin Hall twenty twenty seven. But also that includes penalty kill, which he plays. Yeah, 
a good amount of. Yeah, that's fa- that's fascinating to me. They really like him clearly, but I, I don't know. I think he, the fan base has clearly not been pleased with his game lately. Let's just say no. that. But mm-hmm. until he comes out of the lineup, I'm, I'm not gonna not gonna say he's not a part of that core five that plays every single game. So is it Giordano? Is it Giordano Hall? And then you're rotating Labushkin and Lilgren with Morgan Riley. That seems a little risky. Then. I don't know. I, I really seems like the most optimal way to do it is Riley Labushkin, Muzzin Brody, Giordano, and Hall or Lilgren. But the problem with that is it's not going to be Lilgren, and that'll disappoint us, right? So we're yeah. kind of going in circles here a bit. But yeah, we'll see what happens. I guess Justin Hall's yeah. expected goals last game. Uh, Percentage. Good. Yeah. Let's go well, with he's 40... usually around around fifty percent. Five. 55.67. Wow. So yeah, but that's like, that's like what average for on the team for yesterday. That's nothing special. Yeah. But when you're blindly throwing out expected goals numbers and not referencing it with the actual play that you see on the ice, that's where stats and numbers become flawed. Right. But that's also that expected goals is also 10% below. Yeah. Relative to the rest of the team. So yeah. Relative. He was uh negative. Yeah, negative ten point two three. So he was he didn't play well still, right? Like that's what yeah. Yep. Minus forty three point seven relative for Jason Spezza, and then forty one point oh eight for Labushkin. Somebody uh somebody pointed this out to me. We're I'm gonna jump topics again here back to the forwards. When we were talking about oh, there's so many players that will fit in the lineup. And one of you guys said, yeah, we have so many good players. It's a good problem to have. And I jumped in and said, well, we have so many players. We just don't know which ones are necessarily good right now. That has really proven to be the case here. Because the fourth mm-hmm. line has, no matter who's been in there, and I think, again, the blender is hurting them a bit, but really inconsistent play game to game. really, yeah. And leading to them playing less and less over time. Yep. You know? So I thought Montreal looked better, but even the results there did not back that up at all. Like they, they were hitting more for sure from what I saw, but it did not back it up at all. Colin Blackwell blown assignment on the Rasmus Dahlin goal there as well. Like that didn't help. Right. So it's, uh, it's been really tough that fourth line. Like, I mean, circle back, circle back uh, a few months. And we thought, you know, Simmons and Spets on the fourth line was just praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What great value. And now it's like, these guys can't be in the lineup. They stunk. Right? Yeah, Spezza undercover has had a really tough second half of the season. I know a lot of the pressure goes on on Simmons for his lack of production, but I mean, I'll pull it up now. His his play has been quite poor. Bad. So yep. it's unfortunate, but he really has been invisible. Honestly, he has. He has two assists in his last six, 17 games. That's it. Two assists in his last 17 Yikes. games. So that's not good. It's not good. And there's a guy, there's guys waiting in the wings. That's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. So that's tough. Let's He's, talk, Matt, he, let's talk nice. No, let's, what do you think? Yeah. So, Jason, did you have any theories on why Matt Nice has not signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs yet? Because the Leafs have clearly expressed a lot of interest. Kyle Dubas flew to Minnesota to, to chat with him. Austin Matthews, I believe, has chatted with him as well. Wow, I didn't what's, know that. Uh, what's the latest? Well, I, I I don't know much about how much in depth about the situation. I just know from 
kind of like what the pros and cons are of like if you stay in college just as a, a NCAA player or if you decide to sign your 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 uh, free your your sorry right. your entry level deal. Yeah. So um, basically, the pros and cons. There's there's pros and cons of each. Like one of them obviously is you get to another year of education. You get to play hockey in the NCAA for whatever. Uh, is it Minnesota? Where does he play? University for? of Minnesota. Okay, one, University one Minnesota. more year of education. Come on. But yeah, um, yeah, you get to play in Minnesota. You get another year of education. Those are pretty much the pros. You get to play around. Uh, get to play against people more your age. Probably get get a higher higher spot in the lineup there. Um, coming, if he signs his entry level deal, for him it seems like from his perspective there seems to be a lot of uncertainty. I'm sure if he comes over and signs, he wants to probably play in the NHL or play high up in the in the AHL. I don't know if I I don't know how uh, if he wants if he even wants to play in the AHL. Who who really knows, right? Like to him, maybe it's just if I'm going to be playing in the AHL next year, why am I not just playing in college? So I think that's um, a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like uh, the, the pros of him coming to the NHL, there, there's the, the pros with the money, the, 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 the improved development, those sorts of things might be outweighed by the fact that he, he might not have a chance to play. And I think that's maybe what he values most. And like, that's kind of concerning. Cause right. We yeah, want to be sounds... able to sign these guys. Cause again, that like if Matthew Nyes wants to, he can go the route of Adam Fox and say, you know what, Toronto, I appreciate you guys drafting me, but after next year, I don't think I want to sign with you, so I'm going to Whoa, become a free agent. three more like, years. You'd have to play three more years in college. He could three more years? theoretically say, like, I'm just not going to sign. I'm going to mm-hmm. play out my four years, which Adam Fox did, and then mm-hmm. forced Calgary's hand to trade him wherever he wanted to go. Uh, but the free agency would have to happen after three more years okay. to clarify so the- that part. Okay. Um, so, additionally, I, I do like what you were saying. He doesn't want to play in the AHL next year. Why, why not just play in college kind of thing? Um, because it's also, I believe with guys coming out of college that are highly touted, they do want to burn that first year of the entry-level deal as fast as possible. And in order to do so, you have to play a certain amount of games. So I feel like he's looking at the Leafs schedule and going, okay, there aren't enough games for me to play in the NHL and burn that first year of the entry level deal. So then it's going to slide to next year. And then next year I'm going to end up in the AHL anyways. Right. So I feel like he's like, okay, I could play next year in college. And then you'll probably want, I'm going to play very well. And you'll probably want me at the end of the, that year then. And I'm going to be able to force your hand and get into more NHL games and burn it at the end of that year. Anyways. Does that make sense? That's my theory. Yeah, Yeah, that that does make sense. I saw another thing talked about on Twitter a lot, which I think is, most likely correct is that the Leafs have been ad- against giving performance-based bonuses for their entry-level contracts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The reason they do that is because it limits the amount that the cap, that the cap hit of that player can fluctuate. Right. And they want to be mm-hmm. their sales pitches. We're not going to give you performance bonuses, but we'll get you in the NHL sooner. So you'll be earning an NHL salary etc you'll be and playing give you in the a bigger NHL. signing bonus exactly and give you that exactly give you a big signing bonus up front instead of the performance bonuses which can mess with the cap yeah but if that's a reason that why you can't get matthew dies on the team that is kind of an issue in my opinion yeah. that's just so, speculation but mm-hmm. you know i yeah. mean that would be a real bad look i think for the leafs if he not if he goes back to college this year but if he Another year, if it, if we're at the same spot a year from now, oh, I would I would be really concerned. 
Mm -hmm. I'd be really yeah. concerned. But yeah. I really think there's also the idea of tempering some expectations. He is a second round pick. Like low second auto, round pick. Maybe one every 10 years, maybe two second round picks play a significant role in their rookie year. It's extremely, extremely rare. So especially the year after the, like D plus two year. Yeah. Even that's exactly even D plus two year, it's rare for these guys to come in. Let alone right. D plus one. Yeah, it's, Jordan it's Cairo took how many? It took him two years. It took him four years after he got drafted to be a significant impact player. His so he played two more years in the OHL, and then he played two years AHL NHL fluctuating. People were yeah. like, "What's this guy going to become?" And now he's a freaking superstar. There's so many other guys where that's the case. Like he's big. He's the big thing with Matthew Nyes and why. The, the Leafs would want to sign him right now and why Leafs fans should want to sign him right now is he fills a big hole that's in the fourth line right now adds a little bit of speed adds a little bit of size adds a little bit of jam he's decent offensively I would say that as well he does need to improve some things in order to be a top six player I wouldn't put him with Tavares right now in that second line winger position but the jam that he would add in the fourth line I believe would be something like straight line jam would be electric. Him and Colin Blackwell, bing, bang, boom, that'd be nice. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And that's, again, that's why they're really pushing to sign him. But mm -hmm. as Jason said, maybe he's looking at a Nick Robertson, a second-round pick who got a little taste of action in his first year. And now we're, what, three years out of his draft year, and he's still in the AHL. I know injuries have contrib contributed to that, but he did get a chance this year you know, post-injury. And even in the, play -ins. in the play-ins and then and the next year was he, he's impressed. Time. Right. In my opinion, he's impressed. He's shown enough to at least get a spot on the fourth line or, you know, second power play. But for some reason he can't get he's a consistent shot with the team. So maybe Matthew and I looks at that and says, why, as Jaden said, why would I leave college to play in the AHL next year? And I agree with him. Yeah. I don't think that's makes sense for development wise either. So. I mean, no. with Nick Robertson, I, I did get to watch a shift by shift. It was them against Grand Rapids. I believe he got an assist. Um, good one-timer on the power play. Blandisi cleaned it up in front. But he is improving in terms of not just ripping shots every time he gets like a semi-decent chance. He is curling back. I would like to him to curl back a little bit harder off of entries. But he is being a little bit smarter with the puck. He is passing the puck decently as well. Like... When I watched him play, it wasn't just like oh power play specialist. Like he was contributing pretty heftily, hefty, heftily, heavily out there, whatever the word is. But yeah, and he's he's decently fast too. It adds some nice speed to the lineup. Yeah. So and as you said, point per game in the HL, twenty one points, twenty one games looks pretty right good. Now passes that's what he's the, at. Yeah, mm -hmm. passes the eye test like. And now that we know Kasha is confirmed diagnosed with a concussion, which is unfortunate for him. Hopefully he'll get a chance to play in the playoffs, but might be a little unlikely now. Um, that does that open up a spot for Nick Robertson now? Mm. Maybe. I mean, we'll see. I don't know why hasn't he been called up. Like, I I, I don't know. Uh, Clifford is still on. I think it's the NHL roster. Yeah, it's it's weird. Yep. He he deserves like I'm sorry I, I I think it's silly like I, I know I've been banging this this drum dry or whatever being a dead horse but he's I think he has 12 points in his last 10 games in the AHL since he's been sent down Something he's like that, yeah he's scored over a, a point per game uh uh 
Robertson since being sent down from the like from that little stint pre-trade deadline. He's been seems like lights out in, in the uh, in the AHL, and they're just not giving him a chance for for whatever whatever reason. I just don't mm-hmm. I don't understand it. Like I've seen enough of Nick Abrizese right now to know that I think Nick Robertson's a better player. From what we've seen from Nick Robertson compared to Nick Abrizese, it's it's night it's it's night and day, honestly. Like Abrizese just doesn't doesn't look like he belongs in the NHL right now, right now. <laughs> Right? Like the way he's pl- the way he's playing, like I shall keep him five minutes. Oh, I that's think the, that's not a hot take. That, I'm sorry, that's not even close to a hot take. Yeah, like, three, I know it's not a hot take, but it's it's a harsh thing to say. He yeah, has three like, shot attempts right now, in four games. He has like, three right, shot attempts yeah. in four games. Right, right now, that's, I don't think he. And like again, like this guy is has been in the organization for a long time now, and he's he's he he's been playing well. He's been through honestly, like he's had a tough road. He's been injured a lot, and like kind of brought up and down a lot like he doesn't really know where his place is in the organization and he's playing right now like someone who deserves to be in the lineup not only on on the nhl uh uh cap sheet of like 15 of the 15 forwards you have he shouldn't be one of those guys he should be in the lineup that's how good i think he's been playing in the ahl and how good he looked in the nhl like i don't know like who else who else is on the fourth line has been uh better than like so good that you're like, no, I don't want to take him out for Nick Robertson. I don't think there's not anyone so good, but I think Colin Blackwell's been other than Colin Blackwell. That's Colin Blackwell is great. I, he's serviceable. It's a great way to put it. But I think there's other like Simmons, Spencer, for Simmons Clifford, like uh, those, those three guys, like they're instead of just cycling them in, like just throw Robertson in for a game. Like, why not? Why, why not? I don't know. I think it has to do with contracts and promises made and handshake deals. That's why he's not been in, as of right but now, handshake deals say. with who though? So you're screwing your what I said, Abruzzese. We're gonna we're gonna get you to nine games or whatever it is. How many games has he mm-hmm. played so far? Four games. He's at five. He's at four. Five. Four. four or five. Four. So yeah, there's what eleven games left in the regular season. Nine games he's, left. Nine games left in the regular season. So six Dude. more games to burn that entry level deal. I think it's gonna happen. Right. My out of line? No, I think no, I, think, I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think I thought they already burned it though. I thought he's yeah. on a two-year ELC already. He's on a two-year ELC because of his age. He's a and ninety-nine so- born. So when you hit a certain age, you can like your entry-level deal that you sign is only two years as opposed to three. I think it's your overager year. That's when it's a three-year deal. I think after that, it's two years, and then up until a certain age, I think it's twenty-five or whatever then it becomes like a one-year entry-level deal. Like Kirill so, Semyonov was uh, 27, 28, are, and he are signed sure an entry-level deal. Are you I'm sure not sure on the ages, slide? but that's how it is. I don't, know, sure I don't, I don't know if we're – like, so you're I saying they burn it and he'd only have one year left on his deal? So, yeah, he only has one year left. What's the, Why didn't they just deal him then? That seems extremely odd. So I, I don't think I don't think that's how the slide works. I think the slide is only for players who are eighteen or nineteen years old. Um, oh. for cap friendly, if a player who is signed to an entry level contract and is eighteen or nineteen years of age does not play in minimum of ten NHL games, their contract is considered to slide or extend by one year. I and think Matthew this is it. a late birthday O two, so that's why he would slide, right? I think yeah, he the would slide. He already he has burned the I, first Abra year. Yes. burned it. Yeah, okay. has burned. A... That's correct. Yeah. Wow, great research by me. No, but it's fair. It's very confusing. I think a lot no, of people have no idea yeah. what's going on because it, it's mm-hmm. there's people literally hired in departments in the NHL just to do this. So yeah, um, 
but but going off what you said with the handshake deals, maybe that's what happened with Abruzzese saying, like maybe that's what got them to sign, saying like, listen, we want to play at least X amount of games. I don't know, or else we're not. I signing. think at one of the practices before he got scratched on, I don't think he played Saturday against Montreal, but I did see he had a talking to from Sheldon Keith, and it did really look like the the vanilla talk that Sheldon Keith gave Jimmy VC. But also, like to be fair to Nick Abruzzese, I think he's. Pro- He's a Harvard guy. He's smart, right? Yeah. Look, he could just look at the stat sheet and be like, "Well, I don't know if I'm earning my spot. I'm in the lineup right now." Yeah, seriously. You know, like it's not, it's not, it's not that complicated, right? And you look at the guys behind you. There's a lot of competition, so we'll see. Apparently, we're going to get a Matthew Nice decision probably within the next 24 to 48 hours. Yeah. So I personally do selfishly hope he does sign. I just want to yeah. see him play. Like, and then we get to see him play in the the AHL next year. That'll yeah, be fun too. Or maybe the NHL. Who knows? Like. Ooh. Everyone again. I, I just listening to Twitter. I have not watched a lot of Matthew Nice play. I, I prefer to just see what he looks like when he comes up. But again, he, people are making it out to be a really strong prospect, which is exciting. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Eat my expectations for sure. But uh, yeah, and so I think that uh, also we didn't really... even talk about Austin Matthews breaking the the Leafs yeah. single, single season goal scoring yeah, record. It's been but so that's long because I mean, he broke it like right after we recorded last. That's also because yeah. he's so good. We're like, we just expect him to do these things. Yeah. And he does. We, waited, we waited literally three years for this. We knew it was going to happen three years ago. They're just like, all right, just give us a full season. Yeah. You know, he was on yeah. pace to break it that, that, that year. That he's also at 58 then, right now. The yeah. record was 54. Yeah. yeah. He's, he passed <laughs> it blew it out of the water. I was also, <laughs> yeah. I was also digging into some five on five, numbers just um and on natural stature it only goes back to 2007 i believe but yeah. matthew's right now i think i think he's t- i forget who he's tied with but stamkos. there's only one other no stamkos has more i think there was another player oh i think it was austin matthews actually <laughs> no wait i don't know <laughs> i don't remember but uh there was another player i think who had 38 five on five goals um but yeah austin matthews has 38 five on five goals and the highest in the cap era or going back to 2007, however far back natural stat trick goes at five on five, the highest is 41 Stamkos scored 41, five on five goals. And then the next highest right now, Austin Matthews. So second most five on five goals. And I don't and that's know. 20 less games as well. And yeah. In <laughs> a lot, yeah. So 20 less games ish. So Pretty yeah. See if he can four, use, I... four more, four more uh, five on five goals and he can pass Stamkos for the most, but yeah, he's a stud. Yeah. yeah. You almost forget Stamkos put up what sixty was it that year? He did. Then yeah, he put up, that was the year he put up sixty. Yeah. So when Ovechkin put up sixty-five, he scored like twenty-nine power play goals. Yeah. Crazy. Like oh, but, that's wild. Yeah. yeah. And I think he had but, a, a bunch of empty nets. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Yep. And then Mitch Marner hitting a little bit more too. That's what I wanted to note with the a lot more. Oh, yeah. A lot oh, yeah. more. How many hits did he get last game? Was he because Only he was one. credited? Ah, uh, okay. Before that, going into that game, he had thirteen in his last two games. Interesting. Like some good, good things, see. some good stuff right there. Hopefully you lead by example and other, other guys buy in, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. In terms of the forwards, anything else you guys had written oh, down? We'll see what happens again. We keep talking about the lines and they don't seem to change that much other than the fourth line. And when Sheldon Keith just gets cranky with the, the on ice performance and puts them in a blender. So we'll see. And we'll see what Quickly, happens. Yeah. How would you guys feel if we brought out the blender in the playoffs? That's something you don't want to see at no, all. God, God, absolutely God. not. No. Jeez, no. So I'll make no, sure everyone's no. on the same page here. Okay. No. That would no. That piss me yeah. off a lot. 
So we've gone through some forwards, gone through some D. The goaltending, I think, is pretty simple. Like, you need Campbell to play. It's going to be a tough Mm -hmm. goal if Shalgren's in there. Um, I still think his reads need a a good amount of work. But um, I think he could be a a serviceable backup if he continues to improve next year kind of thing, right? I mean, the Leafs are good enough to hide that deficiency, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Cheap as well. So... We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully he continues to improve because it could be something decent. Right. For sure. Uh, yeah. Did you guys have around the league? So let's take uh, five minutes. We'll talk about the, the playoff picture. Maybe we got probably even more. We can do a whole episode on this. <laughs> yeah. But just as we get closer, you know, I know last year during the playoffs, a lot of people really liked a lot of the playoff talk we had, even the non leaf related playoff episodes did pretty well. So, yeah, you know, for those of you who aren't maybe following the rest of the league as close as you would the Leafs, you know, right now, the Eastern conference, we already know the eight playoff teams. It's not all clinched, but we're already pretty certain. Um, a couple of the ring, the races to keep an eye on in, in the East right now. Again, this is the one that's the most relevant to the Leafs too. It's Tampa or Boston that the Leafs are going to play right now. There's no chance they're going to catch Florida. As of recording, we're 10 points behind Florida with nine games left. That's essentially impossible. So, mm-hmm. we're, And we're four points clear of Tampa, five point clear, points clear of Boston. So most likely we will have home ice advantage, knock on wood. Hopefully we keep that. And we'll be playing Boston or Tampa in the first round, which I'm sure will lead to a lot of groans from Leafs fans, fairly so. And I want to put the question to you guys. Which of those two teams would you rather play in the first round? Tampa or Boston? Boston. Give me Boston. Let's exercise those demons. Give me Boston. I have my friends who are Boston fans coming out of the woodworks. We're losing to Buffalo, trying to chirp us. All I said was we'll see what happens in the playoffs. Obviously, it doesn't work for us. Not the best, like, comeback because, hey. (laughs) A Leafs fan saying wait until the playoffs. Could you imagine? I mean, I really really like – how we match up against Boston. I, and also I'm just, I'm too scared to play Andre Vasilevsky in the first round. That's if I'm being hundred percent honest, that's probably the, the biggest thing I'm afraid of. Yeah. Frankie Carano brought up guy. a point on uh, TSN 1050. He was saying like, there could be a little bit of fatigue with Tampa. You never know, right? Like they're the champs until they're not. So mm-hmm, that could be exactly. one advantage of playing Tampa Bay, but you don't know until you get there kind of thing. Yeah. Could that fatigue set in, in the second round, as opposed to the first, could it just not be ex- in existence because their first cup, they had a break before the playoffs. They had a break after the playoffs. And then, so it's just like one cup that it's been kind of where they haven't had that yeah, break. Like right. It's, it's essentially been two playoff runs in almost a single calendar year which is wild, right? Like no, it's it's yeah. Like I'm saying they didn't have yeah, because they finished the covid season when in August. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then they finished then they... the following season in July or late oh, June. Oh, that's true. So it's okay, been very then... condensed for them, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking they had that break after the season um and then it was a pretty big break. They ended in August, but then they didn't start the season until January. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a normal NHL offseason, I guess. So, but it just seems uh, like they've yeah. played a lot of hockey. That's, but yeah. we'll see what happens. And the the reason I want to talk about that is because they have actually slowed down quite a bit in the second half. Yeah, if you look oh, at their yeah. record first half or second half, it's it's not been good. And Boston's been the opposite, right? Boston has come on pretty exactly. strong here lately. So, 
I'm just maybe playing devil's advocate, you know, the hot, you don't want to play the hot team going into the playoffs. Boston's more of a hot team in Tampa. So mm-hmm. would that make you want to play Tampa? I'm going to guess you guys say no still, but no, no, I just don't want to. My, my biggest yeah. thing is give me, give me who's projected to be not as good of a goalie. That's going to probably cut him back to bite me in the butt, but I don't want to play Andre Vasquez. Yeah. Well, the other so, thing is Jerry Swayman played really well. And Joe, you mm-hmm. can attest to this. He slowed down quite a bit recently. Yeah, that as well. Um, and he's also a rookie. I mean, a rookie in their first, like how many rookie goaltenders do really well other than Cam Ward? That's like the one. Maybe Anthony. I don't know. Anyways, he's a young rookie goaltender. Like how many rookie goal, like mm-hmm. how many rookies performed that well in their first playoffs? For he's sure. Even, he's all, he's also young, Hallmark, like young not even a rookie he's just young in general he's like the still like 98 20. born i mean 23 which is young for oh. a goalie so yeah you're right i would say so that i thought he was well. i honestly thought he was a lot younger yeah at one point he had a 930 he's at a 916 now so, so i think that's a good again, point when we're playing matchups like you guys said i think we do match up better with boston i think the goaltending i still may lean to boston because they may have two guys that they could put in we probably don't have that right now no so mm-hmm. Maybe they have a slight goaltending edge, but it's pretty much a toss-up. Forwards, I know they have really experienced seasoned veterans on that top line with Marshawn and Bergeron, playoff success, all that jazz. But their depth is not as good as the least depth. They're like yeah. all, Eric Hall has played really well for them, but he Hall or John Tavares is your second line center, you know? So 38 points for Hall of this year. And, and then even, Taylor Hall is okay. Yeah, but Taylor Hall has the same point production as like bunting and only slightly better as uh, than a Kerfoot this year. Yeah, especially so goals wise, he hasn't been able to. Colin Smith is not and, bad, and both too. those guys don't play on the power play too. Yeah, DeBrusque is not bad. Like I will say, they Lindholm. they play a lot, a really solid, sound defensive system, which mm-hmm. we've, yeah. we've come come. To McAvoy know, Lindholm is going to be a good defensive pair for sure, for yeah. sure. I agree. And again, I just pulled up the numbers since January first. You guys will not believe this stat, but Boston is fourth in the league in points percentage. You want to guess where Tampa Bay is in points percentage since January 1st? 12. I'm going to say middle of the pack, probably like 15th. like 14th in the NHL in points percentage. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Get a little tired. I'll say this, though. If they have to go to the other bracket, which would be they instead of playing Florida, they'd play the Carolina, New York, Pittsburgh side, they'd win that bracket. Probably. I didn't even think about that. I just had it locked in that it's either – Boston, Toronto, and Tampa, Florida, or Tampa, it's, it's Toronto, certainly Boston. it's almost certainly not going to be Florida not, versus Tampa or right? Boston, right? Okay, unless Boston catches one of those, or unless Washington catches one of those two teams, because Florida is six points ahead of Carolina. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're pretty well locked into that. But uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting matchup. I mean, the Bruins do have some pretty scary players uh, in there, but like they don't have a plethora of scary players. I would say, I think Krejci is a bigger loss than a lot of people have talked about. It's a hundred. Yeah. I think it's big in Boston, but not quite around the league, I would say. But um, other than that, I mean, Tampa Boston, I think is going to be what we're going to be deciding unless the Leafs really lay a goose egg, but I wouldn't run it by them. Right. So we'll get into more playoff talk as like in these coming weeks, it's it, we're almost here. Mm-hmm. Right? We're almost there. Two or three weeks away, yeah. <laughs> Whew. End of April is the end of the regular season. So you guys got any last words? That's it. All right. Thank go you, Leafs everyone, go. for listening. Go Leafs, go. The Rink Rat Report podcast is brought to you by BetSnap, the ultimate sports betting companion app. Track. 
follow, and analyze your bets across multiple sports books. And while you're there, check out the world's first verified buy and sell marketplace for f- sports betting picks. Download the app today. The Rink Rat Report podcast is also brought to you by Season 2 of The Lock Garage. Host Marco Shara, a Toronto criminal defense lawyer, interviews various criminal lawyers about the practice of criminal defense, gets them to share their war stories, and helpful tips for up-and-coming lawyers interested in the area of law. Out now on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Step into the garage, listen to the experts, and get a tune-up.